0: Is social media a breeding ground for an identity crisis? Did you know that there's an app that can tell you about you by analysing your social media? Is there? Yeah. It's called Apply Magic Source, developed by the University of Cambridge. Now, this app will screen your digital footprints to reveal about your psychological profile, personality, life satisfaction, and most interestingly, it claims to reveal how you might be perceived by others on social media.
1: Oh God, are you ready for this, Man?
0: Oh, Dave, give her a break. I tried mine. It was all fine, well, apart from a couple of things. I mean, managed
1: I... tendencies, I believe they said.
0: Okay, so coming back to my um, app, right? My well, not my app, Cambridge University. Oh,
2: can you use it on a friend?
0: Uh, no. You you can only use it for you.
2: Oh, are you sure?
0: Yeah, I tried.
1: Oh. Mhm. Little yeah. store, eh? okay.
0: Uh, no, I mean, I tried it for a friend.
1: Yes, I, I, I just want to do the same. Well, Rob, first you have to go out and make a friend. I've got a friend. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, who's your friend? John Smith. John Smith. Well done. That must have taken a lot of brain power to come up with that name.
3: Oh, I know the John Smith. He started following me on Instagram. See? Don't forget to ask him to like and subscribe and share.
1: Hey, did you hear that, John? Oh, my God. Are we going to keep up this facade? Look, Rob, we know it's you, OK? We know it's a fake profile. Why doesn't everyone else make fake profiles and all like and subscribe? And all your fake imaginary friends can like and subscribe to it. Right,
0: guys, we've got a guest in today, so behave. Um, Rob, what time is she coming in?
2: Uh, she'll be in in ten minutes.
0: Okay, so now you've analysed your social media profile using Apply Magic Sauce and looking at the results, ask yourself, how much of this identity is you in real life? Do you really exhibit these traits and values in everyday life? Are you just as inspiring in real life as you seem to be with your Monday inspirational quotes on Twitter? Do you look and feel just as good every day, just like you do in all of your pictures on Instagram?
1: I can answer that question for you right now, Suman, just to put you out on amazing misery that you're in. Huh? Now, you definitely don't look the same on social media and in real life.
0: I didn't ask for your opinion, and I don't have any pictures on social media anyway, so how?
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Dave,
2: let me remind you who's in control of the tech. My finger is over your
1: mute button. Fine, I'll keep quiet. For now.
0: And is every day really like a party for you? Just like the highlight reels on Facebook?
2: Well, you know what they say, life is a party. It's mm-hmm. yes, when you're with me, Rob. No. It's hell, my next with
0: Okay, now, coming back to the question of identity. How much of what you do on social media is true to who you really are?
1: Sorry, sorry. Are we doing this whole identity crisis again? Didn't we do that in the pilot?
0: Uh, yeah, Dave. It's the entire season one. Are you, are you
1: kidding me? I mean, who's going to watch multiple episodes about the same thing?
3: <sighs> well, I would. I find it very interesting.
1: Oh, God.
0: Yeah, and... It's still identity crisis, but in today's episode, we're focusing on social media and how social media feeds into an identity crisis, because I think it does. And I'm going to explain how by sharing my story. So allow me to tell you my social media story. Oh, I love a good story. Go on. When I first joined social media, I was so... Wait,
1: wait, wait. Popcorn, (laughs) hold on. Okay, I'm ready.
0: When I first joined social media, I was so excited to finally make friends. And for someone like me, who had almost zero friends in real life and zero self-esteem, this felt like heaven. I finally got the sense of belonging and validation I was longing for as a teenager. But there's a catch. I didn't use my real identity on social media. The account was not even in fact in my real name. Although the pictures were mine, they looked nothing like me.
1: She's a bloody catfish. I knew it. Oh my God. After all the shit you give me. I don't think that's what
3: she means.
1: Let us finish, Dave. (laughs) Fine, go on.
0: So I was saying, although those pictures were mine, They looked nothing like me because I was using over 20 different filters chasing this fairy tale image of beauty in my head. At the time, I never really understood why I didn't use my real identity. Well, subconsciously, I was too uncomfortable to be myself. I didn't really accept who I was. After all, I was Nothing like one of those princesses in the fairy tales I was reading. And I was just so desperate, just not to be me. And social media gave me that opportunity to change my identity. Now the bullies have got nothing to pick on. I told myself with a giant sense of relief. Social media did bring me validation. But it was fake and short-lived leading me to an identity crisis. And I developed a social anxiety disorder. I excluded myself from all social environments, feeling lonely, isolated, and depressed. Fast forward to today, I still have just as much impulsivity to share something on social media,
1: but I'm- Did you share the video we took last week? You know, the one where you were crying in the corner eating carrot cake at (gasps) 4am? You recorded that? I did indeed. I always record you when we're eating cake together. I love it! Dave! Little bugger!
3: That is not acceptable!
1: Well, I mean, that's what it's
2: for, isn't it? No! No. Social media may expose
1: your life, but you don't go invading other people's privacy. She's got thousands of views. (gasps) Dave! Yeah, I mean, obviously it's mainly people berating her and saying what a horrible beast she is, but I mean... Why it's would you on tell the, her that? People saying how amazing she is, and oh my god, I wish I could eat four cakes in one sitting. Bloody hell, even I can't manage that.
3: I mean, um, that is quite impressive.
1: It is, exactly. People need to see.
3: Right, Dave, promise that you're going to take those videos down. Mm. After
0: this podcast, Dave, I'm going to report you and the videos to the police. Okay. Now... Fast forward to today, I still have just as much impulsivity to share something on social media, but I'm anxious of putting unfiltered photos that are far from perfect in the dictionary of social media, and then I'm more anxious of using filters because they'll feed into my insecurities.
1: You don't need feeding, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Okay, enough of that now, Dave. (sighs) And I'll start to identify with an image that's not my true reflection. Encountering, once again, an identity crisis.
1: 20 filters and you're going end up looking worse than you started.
3: That is not very nice, Dave. Will that's you please behave?
1: That's disgusting, Dave. Angela, I mean, yours weren't much better.
3: Well, the, the things and the pauses that you did in our wedding photos, you ruined a lot of them.
1: Now, they were just for you to see. I don't want you sharing them with your friends.
3: I certainly won't be.
1: Good, good. I don't want them seeing my horns.
0: Dave, stop that right now. <sighs> okay. Right. Facebook's whistleblower Francis Hoogan said, If Facebook changes the algorithm to be more safer... People will spend less time on the site, click on less ads, and they will make less money. Let me give you an example. Have you ever excitedly posted something on social media and then really disappointed that you got no engagement? Nobody liked that photo or commented how great it was. And you came to a conclusion that you shouldn't be sharing this type of content because no one is interested. However, what if I told you that rarely any of your followers saw that post because the algorithm didn't rank your post high enough to appear in other people's newsfeed, And here you are questioning your self-worth because of it, feeling inadequate and not inspired.
2: Hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. Just just asking for a friend, Dave. So...
1: They're not being ignored. It's just the system. Yeah. Oh, well, that's reassuring. Yeah, you see, Rob, you're not hated. People don't think you're a little snivelling worm. They just haven't engaged with you yet. Dave, I was asking for a friend. Uh, for John Smith, yes? Yeah. Do you know him? Um, yes, I think I'm speaking to him right now. Dave!
0: Right, back to the podcast. So, content that is hateful, divisive, will always be optimised on social media... Because it's easier to inspire people to feel fear and react than anything else, and they will go after your emotions to keep you on the platform. Now, for the most anticipated part of today's episode, please welcome our first guest, who is going to be talking to us about social media, her identity crisis, ghosting, and so much more, Rob let her in
4: here
2: she comes oh i'm
4: so excited hello hey up sarah hi you're right yeah i'm great thank you for having me
3: hello sarah we're so happy you're joining us today
1: oh yes extremely happy it's absolutely lovely to see you sarah what's your uh instagram dave what i mean i'm just networking networking is that what you call it now um Guys. I just want to meet some beautiful, young, beautiful, smart, intellectual, sexy, beautiful, young, lovely people. Yes, you've met one, Dave. Now stop being a creep.
0: Um, I'm so sorry, Sarah. That was not the introduction I had planned. Dave! Um, Welcome, Sarah. I am so, so excited to be speaking with you today about social media, but first, I want to ask you this question, which I will be asking all of my guests in this podcast. So, Sarah, who are you when no one's looking?
4: Oh, quite a question to answer. I guess, like, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it really make a sound?
0: Mm, that's steep. That's steep. So, Sarah, what do you think? Have we lost the plot in an era of social media overload? So I think with social media, there's a lot
4: of things that come with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's very easy to get lost in everything that happens because everything is happening all of the time. And our, our phones are trying to train us to stay on these apps for as long as possible so they can make the most money.
0: Yeah, and it's so addictive, isn't it? Because when we get a ping from our phones, it releases dopamine. Now, this chemical... Oh,
1: dopamine. Yeah, I think I've smoked that before.
0: No, no it's not a drug, Dave.
1: Not pot, you pothead. Oh, what is it?
0: <laughs> it's a chemical. Um, it's released in our brains. And it's a chemical of motivation and joy.
1: I think Rob could do with some of that, some motivation and joy.
0: I think you
3: could do with some of that.
0: And as social media is highly addictive, it definitely needs balance. But Sarah, we don't put an age on social media like we do with alcohol.
4: I think we definitely should put an age on social media to avoid having, you know, old men interacting with 10 year old girls on social media. I feel like that is not good thing. (laughs) Yeah
0: and I read one of your quotes you said we're humans not advertisements what did you mean by that?
4: Yeah so I think social media presents people in a really like one-dimensional way Um, and then with things like algorithms that optimizes content that falls under a specific niche it's hard to kind of show other interests and it, it kind of pinholes us into these very one-dimensional ways of being. And then there are like influencers who, you know, make a profit off of creating a persona, which is probably a part of who they are, but it's not the full thing because it's, how do you even represent that? Yeah. And so we often compare ourselves to these incomplete characters, which kind of makes it confusing to understand who you are in relation to the world around you. And it makes us think we have to brand ourselves and pick an aesthetic and, make our lives look good to the public and I think it it
0: really limits us yeah so fooled by aesthetics I love that
2: right so if I'm a brand and I'm gonna sell myself how much do you think I'm worth 50p Uh, Dave
3: see that's the thing with Dave you don't have to ask his opinion but you're gonna get it anyway
2: it is a passion of mine well show your opinion where the sun don't shine
3: Oh, yes, please do
1: that. It's exhausting. Ooh, Angela.
0: Oh, no, not like that. Sarah, hasn't social media become its own paradox? I feel we're less connected than we ever were. It's so easier to block out the real world, block out people from our lives by just ghosting them. And that brings me to my next question for you, Sarah. Have you ever ghosted anyone? I, I think I definitely have ghosted
4: people, but most of <laughs> wow. the time, most of the time I feel like it's in like the short, tor- short uh-huh. term, for example, like seeing that someone has texted you, but then waiting to respond for a little so you don't seem too eager. <laughs> um, but like on the flip side, when people respond to my texts mm-hmm. quickly, I love that. So it's mm. so weird.
3: Yeah, playing hard to get, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. That's exactly what I did when me and Dave first started dating.
1: What did you? No, I didn't even notice. I was messaging what? a few other Angelas at the time.
3: So you weren't delaying messages. You were just busy talking to other people.
1: When you're messaging six girls at once, it does take some time, and there are delays.
3: Six. Yeah,
1: and all of them called Angela. No, there was three Angelas, and then one Shaniqua, one Shaniqua. And a Susan. Oh, What, my mother? Yes.
3: I hope you're joking, Dave.
1: It was before we started speaking, Angela. I mean, it's not, well, while we were speaking, but I mean, I I don't speak to her now.
3: You better not.
1: Well, I, I don't.
3: Oh, do you know what, Dave? I don't even want to hear it. Just stay in the shed and stay out of my way. No chocolate cake for you. What? Well, you can bake your own bloody chocolate cake.
1: Do you want me to bake you one? No, I don't. I could make you a nice one.
3: I'm upset and angry, Dave. I don't want chocolate cake. I just want a decent husband.
1: What about a nice lemon drizzle? I know you like that. Yes? Does my little angel want some lemon drizzle?
3: Yes, I do want a lemon drizzle cake.
1: Well, I'll bring some to you. Hence, very quickly, okay, darling? I do apologise.
3: Okay, fine. And then back to the shed, because I don't want to see you. (laughs) I think you guys are forgetting we've got a guest here.
1: Keep the domestics out of here, please.
3: You're right, I'm sorry, that was very childish. Now let's concentrate on this.
0: So Sarah, um, is she still here? Oh, yeah, she is. Um, So Sarah, my next question to you, do you think social media brings out the darker side of the human nature and is
4: social media evil? I think to answer the question of like, is social media evil, Um, you know, I think it amplifies and allows certain behaviors to shine through in people. It's like a microcosm of perceiving and judging people that spans across the whole world. So I think a lot of things are made possible by social media, Mm. some being positive, but also some being negative.
2: Mm -hmm. It's only evil when Dave's on it.
0: Talking about social media, we have to talk about the cyberbullying and the trolling. So, Sarah, have you ever been trolled or bullied? Uh, yeah,
4: I yeah, I remember. I, I have I have been cyberbullied. I remember when I was probably eleven. Um, I had an Instagram because that's that's how young I am, <laughs> and um, I remember on this platform called Ask FM, people could ask you anonymous questions, and I remember people calling me obese. And I was a very healthy weight for an 11 year old, but that stuck with me, I think.
1: I'd just like to um, apologize now, Sarah, for that. I was (laughs) drunk at the time. I had a lot of different accounts and I I didn't know it was, I I sent a lot of messages out. I'm really sorry for that. I didn't know it was going to damage you so much. So sorry.
3: (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Well, that is the first time he's apologized for anything. So I I guess we can count that as progress.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm trying, I'm really trying. Finally, getting somewhere. Good.
0: Yes. Has that experience ever held you back in any way? Do you overthink your photos before you share them? I think definitely the things that people have said
4: to me. I can probably name a bunch of the the comments that people have made um, that are negative about me, and but I don't remember the positive ones quite as much. Mm. That they get they get lost, um, and so yeah, I think it is definitely in the back of my mind. If I'm posting something, you know, like those worries, the, the devil on my shoulder will be telling me those things.
1: Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'll speak to him. I think I know that. Too. It's, it's Dante or maybe Tarquin or it could be Matty, but I'll make sure they don't do that anymore. <laughs> They're bad boys, they are.
0: Okay. So, science behind Dave. Oops. Oh, sorry. Beg your pardon. Science behind bullies. Research shows that if our brains are constantly engaged we're not activating the areas of self-reflection. These areas will learn empathy, but they're only active when you do nothing. For example, daydream. Now, this is something that these bullies haven't learned. They simply fail to understand other perspectives or any perspective when it doesn't serve them. That's why meditation is so important. Allowing yourself to fully relax is so important and that helps you build empathy. Dave? Yes? That notebook I gave
3: you? Yes? I think you should use it to take some notes from this podcast, okay? Especially all of that about empathy, I think it'd be really good for you to just listen carefully.
0: So Sarah, I want to ask you, how do you treat the trolls online? Have you got any tips? Because Lately, somebody has been trolling me quite a lot. So what do you do with them? How do you get them back? How do you teach them a lesson? I think you just gotta
4: ignore them. <laughs> so, you know, you can read the comments and it's it's fun to do that sometimes. Mm. But I've found that if you respond to them, it, it doesn't do anyone any good. And it, it, it actually does you worse. Because mm. right? then, you'll you'll feel a little bit more stressed in your day. You'll be thinking about it. Yeah. I think it's best to ignore them. Sometimes they can be constructive, but most of the time they're not well thought through and they don't really know you. Mm. They're just commenting on what they're seeing. And as we know from what we've talked about in this podcast, it's really hard for
0: someone to really see you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sarah, I've heard many of your songs on your social media and for you as a singer social media plays a key role in helping you reach your audience and connect with your fans so tell us how you are making the best out of social media for your career
4: yeah it's definitely a little bit conflicting at times because so for example i have two different instagram accounts and one of them is for like me as a musician Mm -hmm. um and the other one is just more casual for my friends posting silly skateboarding videos. Um, <laughs> and it it's a little bit confusing sometimes because it's like these parts of me are both me. Both accounts are me, but they're they're different. And it feels weird to sometimes limit them in a sense and separate them. Because mm. I don't feel that either of them gets at me as a whole. But even if you put them together, I don't think anything could represent me as a whole on social
0: media. Sarah, I watched your video about identity crisis and I remember you talking about this, um, which I thought was incredibly brave of you. The video was so inspiring. And when I watched that video, I was so moved that I decided to do an entire podcast dedicated on the subject. So tell us about that video. Yeah, so I've posted two videos
4: about identity crises on my channel, my YouTube channel. Uh, The first one was when I was 16 and Mm -hmm. that one has done really, really well. And so many comments of people, it's amazing. People Mm -hmm. just opening up uh, with like their full stories and, you know, I'll spend my time responding to each one because I I want, I wish that someone had done that for me when I was younger Uh because I remember looking up identity crisis help (laughs) on YouTube (laughs) when I was in eighth grade. So when I was like 14 and I couldn't really find anything other than like, you know, inspirational TED talks, which wasn't really what I was looking for. Mm. And I I wanted to talk about those things because I didn't think I'd solve them in any sense. And I think that's why people connected with that video so much is because I was I was still dealing with the things while I was talking about them and I still am like it never goes away (laughs) Um, yeah it never
0: does I think that's something that we have to understand are we ever going to be that perfectly fine-tuned and balanced and are we ever gonna figure it all out (laughs) like that's something that I ask myself like when am I gonna figure out who I am
1: you're still trying to figure that out people normally find out by about six years old don't they (laughs)
0: Okay, Dave, so tell us about yourself. You must have figured that out from the age of six. So tell us, who are you when no one's looking?
1: Yeah, go on. Well, I think, I don't know, when no one's looking. I'm normally partying, getting the boys together. Old Bojo and uh, Donald, we have a good laugh together. Good lads, great lads, those two. Do you know what I smell? I smell bullshit.
0: Angela? uh,
1: Don't tell them about the fairies.
3: Well, occasionally when I'm doing the housework, because Dave does not lift a finger and I am getting a little bit sick of that. But occasionally I'll just have a little spy and see what he's up to. And nine times out of ten, he's picking his toenails and dropping them oh down the back God. of the sofa.
1: God. Oh, that's disgusting. Ay, come on. Now. Yes, it I is. do that, Angela.
3: Yes, <laughs> you do. Yes, you
1: no. do. I mean, you're reaching a little bit there. Maybe once or a twice a week. Filthy animal.
3: Twice a week? That's still disgusting, Dave.
1: Do you want me to tell them what you do?
3: I, I don't do anything like that. I'm very hygienic.
1: So you, you've never picked your nose while watching TV?
3: I did it once. And it wasn't picking, I had an itch. And do you know what I didn't do? I didn't flick it across the living room like I've seen you do many times.
1: Well, I mean, that's the rule, isn't it? Pick it, lick it, roll it, flick it. Dave! Oh, that's disgusting.
0: Angela, uh, how do you live with him? Well, I don't. He lives
3: in the shed
1: <gasps> good <laughs> yes okay I do live in the shed but let it be known it's a rather large shed yeah bet it is
0: <laughs> okay Dave there you go so I guess I'm winning anyway Sarah I want to ask this question because I think our listeners probably thinking that they've all had an identity crisis at some point in their life or currently going through an identity crisis and if so what do you do what I did I think
4: the best thing honestly is time mm. but I think what's also really helpful is talking to people about it and getting their input and feeling that you're not alone and really mm. being able to, to understand that yeah um, I think also just knowing yourself and getting to know like because that's the whole thing like you don't know what your identity is so I think any way that you can know yourself a little bit better you know mm. feeling all the emotions that you have because i've definitely gone through phases of you know just pushing the thoughts out of my head and like it works for a little while but you know these things always come back yes. so I, I think over time i've tried to know myself a little bit better and see myself with kind eyes rather than the judgmental ones that it often feels like
2: on social media
3: i love that try and see yourself with kind eyes. I think we should all remember that.
1: Do you know what? I think I'm going to start doing that. I feel like what she's saying this is essentially always be yourself. And so it's better for me to stay evil than trying to convert and be something I am not. So I'm going to forget all this helping Rob and being nice and looking after old people and go back to being an evil bastard.
3: Um, I don't think that's quite what Sarah was saying. Yes, be yourself, but I don't think you should hurt other people, Dave. Uh, I'll try. Write that down in the notebook, yeah?
1: And stop hurting me! No hurting other people except Rob. Okay, Dave!
3: No, including
0: Rob.
1: Yes, 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 including Rob. I'll hurt Rob, don't worry. Don't you dare.
0: So Sarah, what about self-development? Does that help with identity crisis? I think there is a very fine line between
4: self-improvement and changing yourself. Yes. I think it, it can often get muddled up and I think sometimes in the past when I thought that I was improving myself, I was really just changing myself and I think I think a big thing of what I believe about identity is that there are pros and cons to any way of being. Mm. So you might as well just be yourself and save yourself the time. Because what I've learned is, I if I thought I was one way, and then I changed myself to be kind of the opposite, what I found was that I wasn't any happier, I, there, were, mm. there were good things about being that way, and negative things.
0: So might as well just be yourself. Wow, yeah, that's so interesting. And I don't know about you, Sarah, but I feel like my identity is constantly evolving over time. The things I used to identify with before, I don't actually value them anymore. I don't identify with them. Is, is that normal? Yeah, I think that is
4: definitely normal. And it's not something to you know get worried about like if you're if you're changing because i think there are always things that you will always be you (laughs) you know like you'll always have certain traits that will transcend through time Mm. and things change as we move through our lives and we possess these different roles and maybe those things that are changing aren't really who you are they're just kind of what surrounds you
0: yeah interesting and we've talked about what we should be doing to solve identity crises. What shouldn't we be doing when encountering an identity crisis? Stay away from social media, do you think?
4: Um, I think social media definitely makes it a lot more complicated. But I think the fact that I have had social media throughout, uh, you know, most of my life has it has at least taught me a little bit of how to use it. Mm. Um, rather than like for example my generation we grew up with social media so we we learned how to use it from a really young age and everyone before had to use it had to learn how to use it you know later in their lives and i think then there's there's a little bit of a learning curve and it, it can be i think more stressful in si- some situations but as for what not to do with an identity crisis. I think it would have saved me a lot of time and energy if I stressed about it less, to be honest, because I think it's at a certain point I realized I will never get to a place where everything is fine and I'm happy and everything is great. And also, would I want that? Would it really be fine if everything was happy? Mm. I, I, I think part of who I am is not knowing who I am exactly, and I think by doing that, um, you you allow yourself to change more, and you allow yourself to be open to experiences, and you know, not super stubborn about things. If 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 you can't necessarily define yourself to the T. <laughs>
0: yeah. What are the biggest mistakes people make when using social media? Do you think, Sarah? I w- mm, I would say caring
4: too much but i don't think that's our fault i think that is the system's fault and the the way that these platforms are designed you know we shouldn't have to be responsible for those things and mm. you know they're using tactics to manipulate us to stay on the app and i think it's also important to acknowledge that like not all of this is our fault and like we shouldn't just not try not to care when you know we're being manipulated like that
0: and to add to that when we compare people's highlight reels with our worst days of course that's going to cause us to feel dramatically insecure and unhappy about our lives sarah do you think it's becoming really difficult to live with the unglamorous um, realities of life why does everything have to be so shiny singing and dancing all the time for us to feel good about our lives It's just impossible. Having said that, if I open my social media now, and I looked at other people's stories and their perfectly curated photos, I will just not help but compare myself and my life to them and think, oh, okay, I'm not doing that great, am I?
2: You're not the only one, Suman.
0: I think it
4: definitely puts self-worth in check when things like that happen and it's really easy to place self-worth on these quantizable things mm. like with with likes followers it's we want something to hold on to and to measure our self-worth when it's really it's it's none of that it's none of the external things i can't really say what it is but it's it's not all the things that we surround ourselves with
0: and the solution isn't to stop making comparison because we cannot humanly control that. So the next time you're on social media, make one conscious shift. Change the subject of comparison from someone else to ourselves. Measure yourself against yourself.
1: But hang on again. Can you say it again, please? Measure myself against my... So like, what? like when you're a kid and you put a little pencil above your head on the wall and see if you grow.
0: No. Um, Oh, God, you lost me there, Dave. You said we're
1: looking at ourselves and seeing if we are the same as ourselves or comparing them in some way, trying to beat ourselves?
0: No. What I mean is that you have to set a goal. If you want to learn a new language or develop a new skill or get a promotion by next year. If you want to sustain a healthy lifestyle and then make small changes in life to achieve that goal.
1: I see. Okay. So in- instead of eating four cakes a night, I only eat two. Is that your aim?
0: I am very calculated with my cake intake, Dave. Thank you very much. Anyways, I'm sure you've seen a number of times people posting pictures, quotes about something specific, directing towards somebody in their life. So, Sarah, have you ever used social media to make somebody feel yeah i mean i'd I'd probably say like
4: you know after a breakup you gotta like post a nice picture of yourself show everyone you're you're back on the market
1: (laughs) excellent and sorry just to remind me again sarah what 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 was your instagram just just for for purely business reasons dave no
0: angela you're not going to object to that
3: (sighs) well I was just texting my lawyer, actually, asking <gasps> about divorce, but... ah,
1: Angela, you wouldn't.
3: Dave, you don't make me feel very good about myself, and I don't think it's healthy for me to be around you when you're behaving like this, so book your ideas up or... Well, I, I think that's it. And I know we've only been married two weeks, but it's felt like 200 years. Dave,
0: Angela, stay behind after this podcast. We have a lot to talk about. Rob... I hope you're making notes for the edit.
2: Cut Dave, cut Dave, cut Dave again. Cut me and do I not bleed? We'll find out in a minute, sunshine.
0: Okay, so we've just had a confession from Sarah. Um, Sarah, when we are posting these pictures on social media specifically to get somebody's attention or make them feel a bit guilty or make them feel jealous, how does that end up leaving us feel then?
4: Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't feel how you think it will. It feels a little bit um, dirty in a way.
0: Yeah, I think I know why that would be because subconsciously your mind knows that you're not happy. So people pretending to be happy and pretending to be somebody they're not, you're not helping yourself. Um, you're causing a lot more mental distress to yourself than you actually can even imagine.
1: Yeah, Dave. Okay, so basically be sad, be angry, be dysfunctional.
3: No, just be realistic. Just be real and honest.
1: Okay, so if I said I will be realistic and I won't stop liking other girls' photos, but I'll only like one a day, yes?
3: Okay, well, as long as you don't comment.
1: And I'll make sure that one girl is you, Angela.
0: Oh, that is sweet. Oh, Dave.
1: I'm sorry for everything I've done. I've been a beast.
0: Oh my god, this podcast really is working. It's like marriage counseling. I know.
1: Yes, and it's and it's free. Amazing.
0: <sighs> Great. Okay, uh, moving swiftly on to our next question. Now, the idea of expression on social media, I think has been rather confused with exposing yourself. People post anything on social media yeah and some of what they post is completely unnecessary sometimes yeah
4: i think with oversharing um like wanting to be seen and like validated and understood Mm. in a way and i think it it definitely can manifest in oversharing like if you're trying to get unspecific person's attention you might post something specifically that is you know motivated by that
0: And with sharing so much of your personality and opinions on social media, people are allowing themselves to be exploited by social media who will then extract all that information for profit. Not only that, everything we post on social media is a permanent digital footprint that will never be forgotten from the internet's memory, even if we delete it. Isn't it a bit terrifying when you think about all this?
4: You know, you you kind of have to, for like sensitive information, I think it's definitely very important that you consider who could see your pictures. Mm. I think that is probably the most important tip. Whereas like, yeah, breakfast is probably annoying to see, <laughs> but you know, it's not gonna get you fired from
0: your job. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. It's been such a profound discussion and I really hope our listeners feel inspired and understand how social media feeds into an identity crisis. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. And before you go, Sarah, is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? Yeah, I
4: mean, I think the big... What what I learned from... Uh, All the comments that I got on that one video, um, it seemed like a lot of people were very stressed out by what they were feeling Mm. and understandably so, so understandable, but I think kind of accepting that this is, you know, a thing and it, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. You can, you can look at it through, if you see yourself, like I said earlier, through kinder eyes, you can kind of work with it instead of mm. trying to work against it and trying to solve everything. You can you can just try to, to make the best, make the most of the situation that you have.
1: You've really opened my eyes today. It's, it's been fabulous. It's been fabulous. You've inspired me to be even more myself, devilishly handsome and daring. So oh, I appreciate that.
3: Dave, the whole thing's not about you. Uh, well, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat to you.
1: Cheers, Sarah.
3: It was nice meeting all you guys.
1: Have a good day. Enjoy the (laughs) cornfields.
0: I want to leave you all with this one final thought. Facebook's founder, Mark Zuckerberg, was once asked this very simple question during the US Congress. Now, let's hear what the question was, and then you'll hear his response. Rob's going to play that clip for us now.
5: Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Zuckerberg, would you be comfortable sharing with us the name of the hotel you stayed in last night? Um, <laughs> uh, no. If you've messaged anybody this week, would you share with us the names of the people you've messaged? Uh, Senator, no, I would probably not choose to do that publicly here. I think that might be what this is all about your right to privacy, the limits of your right to privacy, and how much you give away in modern America in the name of, quote, connecting people around the world. Question, basically, of um, what information Facebook's collecting, who they're sending it to, and whether they ever asked me in advance my permission to do that. Is that a fair thing for a user of Facebook to expect? Yes, Senator. I think everyone should have control over how their information is used. And as we've talked about in, in some of the other questions, I think that that is laid out in, in some of the documents. But more importantly, you want to give people control in the product itself. So the most important way that this happens across our services is that every day people come to our services to choose to share photos or send messages, and every single time they choose to share something, um, they're, they have a control right there about who they want to share it with. But that level of control is extremely important. They certainly know within the Facebook pages who their friends are, but they may not know, as has happened, and you've conceded this point in the past, that sometimes that information is going way beyond their friends, and sometimes people have made money off of sharing that information. Correct?